0: a 1000 planets and spreading out
1: Open the pod bay doors, HAL. Danger will Robinson, danger.
0: Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane the whole
1: May the fourth be with you. Who is that masked man?
0: Avengers, assemble! Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll begin the show with some genre-related news. And a very Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate. A federal judge ruled Tuesday that movie studios can be sued under false advertising claims if they release deceptive movie trailers. The case stemmed from a trailer for the 2019 film Yesterday. Two fans of actress Anna DeArmas filed suit earlier this year alleging that they had rented the movie after seeing DeArmis in the trailer only to discover that she had been cut out of the final film. Universal sought to have the lawsuit dismissed, arguing that movie trailers are entitled to broad protection under the First Amendment. The studio's lawyers argued that the trailer is an, I quote, artistic expressive work, unquote, telling a two and a half to three minute story conveying the theme of the movie and should be considered, I quote, non-commercial, unquote, speech. U.S. District Judge Stephen Wilson rejected the argument and found that a trailer is commercial speech subject to the California false advertising law and the state's unfair competition law. Plaintiffs Connor Wolf of Maryland and Peter Michael Rosa of San Diego County, California each paid $3.99 to rent yesterday on Amazon Prime. They are seeking at least $50 sorry 5 million well that's still a high number 5 million dollars as representatives of a class of movie customers the case will now proceed to discovery and a motion for class certification NASA's Insight Lander has stopped transmitting after 4 years on Mars ground controllers at California's Jet Propulsion Laboratory Knew the operational life of the lander was imminent due to the end of the operational life, I should say, of the lander was imminent due to dust buildup on its solar panels. But NASA reported that InSight unexpectedly didn't respond to communications from Earth on Sunday. NASA has indicated they will continue attempting to contact the lander just in case. InSight landed on Mars in 2018 and was the first spacecraft to document a Mars quake. Since then, it has detected over 1,300 Mars quakes, including several caused by meteor impacts. According to NASA, the most recent Mars quake sensed by InSight earlier this year left the ground shaking for at least six hours. Yikes to be a colonist on Mars. NASA still has two active rovers on Mars, Curiosity, which landed in 2012, and Perseverance, which arrived early last year. The head of television at Amazon Studios confirmed to Collider that Season 2 of Robert Kirkman's Invincible animated series will hit Prime Video in 2023. Netflix's Wednesday, starring Jenna Ortega, was watched for nearly 6 billion minutes during the November 21st through 27th viewing window, during which it was only available for the last five days. This makes the second biggest week of streaming ever, recorded by Nielsen. Geez, I haven't seen Wednesday, but everybody is talking it up. I guess I'll have to check it out now. The original mechatronic model of the alien from Steven Spielberg's classic E.T. the Extraterrestrial sold for $2.56 million at an auction over the weekend. Some recent anniversaries as December 10th marked 60 years since the publication of Tales of Suspense number 39, featuring the first appearance of Iron Man and... December 21st was 43 years since Disney's The Black Hole was released in theaters. James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water is expected to win this weekend's domestic box office. The film, it, oh geez, in its first week in release, the film earned over $681 million globally with... 217 million of that coming from the U.S. domestic market. Yikes, 681 million globally. Uh, They need this thing to make like $2 billion in order to be profitable, and it seems as if it's well on its way. Uh, We'll get to the discussion immediately following the FF review of the movie. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. I had my issues with the first movie in the Avatar series. I refer to it as a series, as it seems obvious this sequel heralds more films. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I confess the first film had me checking my watch about 20 minutes in. It was clear the film was going to be one of those colonizer who becomes a better indigenous person than the indigenous people stories. By the end of the picture, hero Jake Scully had turned his back on his own race and embraced the life of the Navi, to the point of allowing his natural physical body to die while his consciousness lived on in his Navi avatar. Anyway, the bottom line is this. Avatar The Way of Water is visually spectacular. James Cameron has created a masterpiece of CGI filmmaking. Jake Scully and Natiri are living an idyllic existence on the planet Pandora. They have four children of their own and have adopted a human who had been left behind when Earth was driven off the planet, as he'd been too young to go into cryostasis. When humans, called Sky People by the Na'vi, suddenly returned to Pandora, Jake, Natiri, and their family must work with the rest of the Na'vi to fight once again for their world. But this time, the Sky People have committed greater resources to eliminating the indigenous population in their plan to colonize Pandora. Avatar The Way of Water is a better written movie than the original, The dynamic of Jake and Natiri having a family, particularly with their older children wanting to join the fight against the invaders, makes for a more tense and compelling story. Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana use this material to further develop their characters to great effect. Also returning are Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, Joel David Moore, and C.C.H. Pounder. The cast is rounded out by Kate Winslet, Cliff Curtis, Edie Falco, Brendan Cowell, Jermaine Clement, Jamie Flatters, Britton Dalton, Trinity Jolie Bliss, Jack Champion, Bailey Bass, Philip Gelio, and Dwayne Evans Jr. I think it particularly challenging in effects driven pictures when actors have to have their performances convey through motion capture. And, while I'm sure that the high quality of those computer-generated effects help, the heart and soul of the actor's work comes through in apparent fashion. But make no mistake, the real stars of this movie are the army of visual effects artists who brought the finished product to the screen. I'm not disparaging the actors, but this is a CGI-driven film. If you can, I strongly recommend that you see it in 3D. The painstaking quality of the work stands in contrast to the relatively sloppy CG from overworked artists you'll see in other tentpole movies. Sound, special effects, visual effects, stunts, camera and electrical, animation, all the technical departments work harmoniously to deliver a visually stunning experience. The musical score by composer Simon Franklin is also terrific. Despite all that, how well or how poorly a film resonates with its audience, ultimately comes back to story. This movie is about family, about whether or not you have one, and finding your place in it if you do. It's also about those who have become outcasts from their families, and I think that will resonate with all audience demographics. Everyone is represented somewhere, and audiences will see themselves in these characters and empathize with them. Cameron, Rick Jaffa, and Amanda Silver wrote the screenplay and collaborated on the story with Josh Friedman and Shane Salerno. Cameron directs. In interviews, he has talked about his intention, Avatar be an epic story, and he apparently has ideas that would extend to as many as seven films. Be prepared because this is a long movie. Avatar the Way of Water runs a whopping three hours and 12 minutes. I enjoyed the movie, but I'd be lying if I told you I didn't check my watch. Not like when I saw the first film. I wasn't bored, But there's just a whole lot of movie, and I wanted to determine where we were time-wise. Lots of characters, changes of scenery, 3 hours and 12 minutes. Prepare yourself accordingly. It's rated PG-13 for action, adventure, fantasy, sci-fi. Be careful with this one. I wouldn't take children younger than about 11 or 12. It's about as violent as the first Avatar. Nothing too graphic. No nudity, sex, and minimal questionable language. But as long as it is, you need to consider whether your kids can sit through it or not. Not that you'd be expecting one, but since Marvel has got audiences thinking about it, I'll tell you that there are no mid or post-credit scenes. So when the title starts scrolling, you can confidently head for home knowing there's nothing for you to miss. Visually Spectacular, a triumph of CGI filmmaking for James Cameron and the start of an epic series. Three stars out of four, Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Four. And there you have it, the official FF review of Avatar The Way of Water, which opened in theaters last week. So, today we are talking about some of the news items that I went over at the top of the show, and more. Joining me is the great Geek Refuge's own Mike Lunsford. Mike, thank you so much for being here.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me, and uh, and Merry
0: Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, and Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Holidays uh, to you. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, happy Festivus. <laughs> it's, Festivus for
1: the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Indeed, it's good. You know, I, I, I always try to miss out on those feats of strength since I got to be an older guy. But yeah, uh, you know. So it's just the two of us today because, of course, what with the holidays everybody had something else that they were trying to do and i'm just so grateful that uh you're somebody who's like wait on the radio really yeah let's do it
1: <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> well you happen to catch me at home and with the weather being as nasty as it is it's so cold outside to quote you you know the hawk is out <laughs> um but like it is it is not pleasant to be outside so i don't <laughs> I don't see how anybody is actually doing anything like we went out for lunch today Mm -hmm. and then that was about it. We got home as soon as we could because it was it was like middle of the day. It was it was still really, really cold.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, when when I heard that the temperature was going to plummet like this, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and hey, i I've read one or two too many comic books, I suppose, because where I always go when in extreme temperatures like this. I'm. I go outside, and I end up looking for like I'm looking to kick Mr. Freeze's ass or something. It's like, (laughs) I mean, you know, same thing. If it snows in April, yeah, Mr. Freeze. It's oh, it's eight degrees out. Oh, Mr. Freeze. You know, but I mean, temperatures this extreme because honestly, it can be dangerous. Oh yeah. Especially for I mean, you spend too much time out, you can easily get frostbitten, and uh, hopefully. Everybody is going to want to spend a lot of time indoors and, uh, you know, staying away from (laughs) being out. Uh, It was obvious. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but it was a real easy ride into the studio today. I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, so uh, I'd kind of like to start out today with this uh, federal judge uh, ruling on these trailers you know and saying yeah. apparently you can't mislead people in trailers and I, I i guess i'm all for it i'd never really thought about it uh, even though i'm somebody who over the years has been motivated to go to certain films based on the trailers and sometimes that's played out, and other times, it's, oh, wow, this didn't turn out to be what I thought at all, you know? So, I'm curious I'm, what your feelings are about
1: I'm kind of surprised, actually, because, while I agree, I mean, especially the way they described it, like, oh, hey, we saw this actress in this trailer for it, we were excited, we watched it, she wasn't in it. And, like, that's a bummer, for sure. And, like, for both the actress and for the people who were going to watch you know, her film, but the question that I have is, like, is how bad are the floodgates going to be opened because of this? And like, how many nuisance lawsuits are we going to see because of this? It just seems like, I'm not saying that it's not worthy of attention, but at the same time, like the kind of money that they were asking for, like this, it just seems, it seems like one of those things, like the, the legal system's so funny anyways, that like, this just doesn't seem like something that's worthy of someone's time. Now I say that and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who are actors or actresses who are like, well, you know, this affects my bottom line because if I'm not actually in a movie, then that's less of a, um, impact I can make. People won't be seeing my face. I won't be associated with this film, even if I did get paid. So it's, I'm one of those people that like, I see both sides on this. I just, I personally think that like, in the grand scheme of things, do we really need? Is this something that we should be looking at millions and millions of dollars lawsuit-wise for? Well, and I think the answer is no.
0: Well, let me just clarify something because my understanding of this is that um, that what they're attempting to do is turn this into a class action, and so I mean, it's not like the two of them are going to split five million, but. You know, they paid three ninety nine to rent this thing, and it could be that there are hundreds of thousands of people, you know, who paid you know, like three ninety nine, five ninety nine, whatever, who get their money back because yeah. they feel like they were misled about different films. So, uh, I mean, and, you know, obviously, there's there's got to there's going to be this motion for class certification. So, if they're successful with this. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where you get the 3555 card in the mail, or I guess an email or something. And, yeah. uh, Mr. Lunsford, we saw you rented uh, X-Film on, uh, online, and as part of this class action suit, it's been determined that, I mean, especially if you rented yesteryear, I mean, it might be like, hey, do you want your three ninety nine back for, for this movie? Um, but Anna DeArmas, I mean, she's gorgeous. I remember her in um, that uh, Blade Runner sequel. And uh, I I, I mean, honestly, I thought she was one of the best things about that movie. So if I I had been moved to rent yesteryear, which I wasn't, and I just even found out about yesteryear because apparently it's some sort of alternate reality where the Beatles never existed or something. And I'm like, whoa, okay, that sounds kind of twisted, but whatever, you know. So yeah, uh you know but d- sure. again don't know much about the movie but yeah the the fact that this is uh you know they're trying to make a class action um you know that that can be significant in terms of what you were describing, because obviously, if a couple of guys like oh, I spent three ninety nine, but I was so injured by the fact that this woman wasn't in the movie,
1: I need you to give me five million dollars and it'll be okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I suppose <laughs> that, it's that lo- does seem a little unreasonable. <laughs> it's no different than like they, the years ago. There was a class action lawsuit against the makers of the Madden football franchise, like EA mm-hmm. Sports, is the one who does that, mm-hmm. because every year they would they would schlep out another. Sixty dollar video game that you would have to buy, and it really wasn't that much different than the year before. And like somebody basically like called them on it, and like I, I think I ended up getting like forty or fifty bucks back from them at one hmm. point, like in the class action for that. So like, yeah, I mean, I guess there's merit to something like this, um, because again, you're you're kind of misleading the public, and that's something that that's important.
0: Mm, yeah. Hey, hold that thought for a second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on W E R A. LP Arlington 96.7 FM and streaming online at W.E.R.A.F.M. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by the great Geek Refuges Mike Lunsford, and we were just talking about this a suit that was brought by a couple of uh, guys who rented a movie and turns out that the actress they wanted to see wasn't in it. They filed suit. And U.S. District Judge says you got a case so um, You know, we were kind of kicking that can down the road one thing that I, I wanted because you had mentioned uh, EA's uh, Madden in uh, a Madden football game and yeah. Uh, so yeah I, I, I Understand that the changes from year to year with that are minimal, but isn't the fact that you have new players coming in the league every year i mean isn't isn't that what makes that significant because so you know mm.
1: y- yes and no y- yes in a sense that it does but one of the things that's changed is now that we have access to the internet a lot of times you can just go online and update the rosters oh and yeah really? when you yes and that that was the big thing is like you're gonna pay 60 bucks just to change the names of players on like that's silly and like, they even made it, and it was it was kind of cool to a certain degree, because um, at one point you could, if you played like the college football game, and like your draft, like you know you finished your season and stuff like that, and you wanted to export your draft class into Madden. Oh you could. wow! <laughs> so those players that you played at, could, yeah, you literally could play both games, and uh, the information would uh, would kind of follow you uh, to the next one.
0: Okay, well, whether those guys actually got drafted or not,
1: no. So it's really funny too because, like, with the NCAA thing, they ended up getting into a ton of trouble because at the time and now it's all different because the the rules are, are different and now there's money involved. But none of the players were being being paid because oh yeah, they're, they're amateurs and they lose their amateur status as soon as they get paid. Well, the problem was is like they were using those players likenesses on the video games. Yeah, they were using the player. They were using things designed. To make it obvious that it that it did, in fact, have something to do with that player. And, like, that's what ended, essentially ended up shutting down the NCAA football um, video game franchise was that, like, the coding basically was revealed and it showed that a play was named after a player, like, mm. a specific player. And they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, see, so you're using these players' likenesses and you're not actually giving them any sort of compensation and that's not legal. But, like, that gets I mean, geez, you want to talk about going down a rabbit hole. Like, <laughs> the whole, like... There, that's a whole other thing because like the whole legality around that, the fact that like colleges build their, their wealth off of the backs of players that aren't even getting paid. I mean making millions and millions of dollars off their likeness and not paying them a cent. And like that's somewhat changed, but it's still a mess. And like there's this whole nil thing. Like the whole thing is just a disaster.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you'll get no argument from me on that. And that is a very interesting conversation to have. I mean, the video game stuff. I, I see. It's only. It's simply that we're straying into that realm where. uh yeah. We're kind of getting off genre. <laughs> you know I yeah, mean, I know. but yeah, I know. But, uh, yeah. but hey, but you and me are going to have a conversation about this because I, I've been and, and it, it sort of goes back to. Uh, compensation fair compensation and yep. it, it, it's the same kind of thing with the comic books in terms of work for hire because yeah i understand it's it's all this stuff they're doing is legal but is it totally ethical is it reasonable especially in light of what you're saying about these football programs from these colleges and universities making oo of money off of these players and the players not getting anything, and arguably they're the ones that are driving these programs. I mean, the, you yep. know that that I got some real serious questions about that. But <laughs> again, that's not necessarily this show, but the 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 um, video game thing. That's that's also really interesting. And I remember seeing uh, one of those NCAA games, and I'm thinking, how did they, how are they getting away with this? I mean, it's just seems extremely questionable to me
1: yeah especially when an organization is making billions of dollars and as soon as a college player gets paid for his autograph oh well, oh yeah you're ineligible violation now yeah. The thing is a mess. yeah
0: yeah 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 you know and you'd really like to see these uh these young men be able to uh profit off of that. Well, and I, and all right, this last thing I'm going to say about it, because again, completely off topic, but I remember when, um, uh, the Georgetown player, uh, the guard, uh, crap. And now I can't call his name. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you. Because, um, you know, he had, um, well, he went pro on hardship. And as I recall at the time, uh, coach John Thompson had been trying to get his sister into Georgetown and, um, you know, ultimately, sadly, I don't think that worked out, but, uh, you know, there were, I mean, his family needed the money. And so it was like, oh, well, Hey, yeah, you're going to go pro, even though you've still got a couple of years of eligibility left, but you know, you, <laughs> your family needs the money. And, you know, so he was one that I was very happy to see get paid because, you know, obviously he meant a lot to that program and, um, you know, but again, his family needed the money. And so, you know, and, and had his sister been able to get in, things might have gone a little differently. But, you know, that's uh, yeah. one of those neither here nor there kind of things. So, um, it, well, I guess among the news items that we were talking about, uh, and I, this wasn't something that I actually went into uh, in the opening, but there were a bunch of rumors that have come out lately about uh, i mean a lot of it involving the uh, this new d c studios uh, with um, Peter safran and james Gunn at the at the head and and i i 've made no secret that i mean hey i 'd like to see this thing be successful but i 've i 've really got my doubts because I think the key to the success with the Marvel movies is the fact that Kevin Feige had autonomy, total autonomy, in terms of what he was doing. I mean, even to the point where, you know, there were directors uh, who wanted to do certain things who weren't allowed to do certain things. Um, I mean, even... um, and this is terrible because I'm, I'm I, I always blank on you know the guy who played Happy who was the director of uh, Iron Man. Oh, John Favreau. John Favreau, thank you. It's, it's shameful that I can't call his name when I need to. But yeah, Favreau had some stuff that, and you know, you could argue that he was as, as responsible for the success of. The Marvel Cinematic Universe with hitting the ball out of the park with Iron Man that first movie but there were things he wanted to do in Iron Man 2 and by that time you know because they saw what they had and Feige's like nah I need you to do this and we want to put the Black Widow in it and no you can't do Demon in a bottle and all this kind of thing because there was stuff that you know Feige is like oh we can we can make some money off of this so uh, I don't expect because I, I don't know that Warner Brothers uh, I don't know that their their expectations are reasonable in this case, and I, I just as recently as earlier. Well, actually, I guess it was last week now. But I I I had to because for the longest time I've been talking up the fact that it was Warner and DC that started this whole uh, Hollywood blockbuster superhero movie with Superman the movie, but um, the it was the anniversary of the release of that movie was just a couple of weeks ago and i realized it's been 44 years since that movie came out and i'm like yikes it's not reasonable for me to talk about you know oh yeah well dc had it at first and then marvel did not it's just it's just been too long it's been damn near 50 years since that movie came out i can't keep Using Superman the movie as an example of a DC film. I mean, technically it is, but in a modern sense, DC has gone in a different direction, you know, as has Marvel, because, you know, let's face it, there was no movie presence for Marvel. And if you want to talk about that, we're talking about Kenneth Johnson's The Incredible Hulk that was on TV and that relatively short lived Spider Man television series that was on, starring Nicholas Hammond. And uh, you know, and I can call Nicholas Hammond's name, but I'm like John Favreau. Uh, I know who he is, but I can't call his name, which is shameful. Anyway, all that to say that uh, I I I don't think that Warner Brothers' expectations are reasonable. Anyway, yes, we've
1: seen, and the funny thing with that is, like, I don't think any of their whether it's Marvel, whether it's Warner Brothers, whoever, I don't think any of their uh, expectations are reasonable because if if you look back with DC specifically. So you had Superman and then you did a bunch of Superman sequels instead of doing anything else. And uh-huh. every single one of those movies had outside, interflu- it, 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 like influence, uh, like intervening basically going on that affected it. Like the second Superman is a perfect example of that and how Richard Donner was really unhappy with the way things were basically being told you have to do it this way and there mm. needs to have this involved and you have to have this bit of comedy in here and it needs to be this and it needs to be that. And like we saw that with Batman when Tim Burton's Batman came out because um I can't remember the guy's name right now the producer um I'm blanking on his name right now. Wait um, a minute, you
0: talk about Michael Luslin?
1: No, 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 no. Um I cannot remember the guy um Peters um was his last name and I cannot remember his first name. Um,
0: all right. Well, make your point. And I'll, either way, yeah. Like, there was I'll a ton come of up in, with that. There yeah. was a ton
1: mm-hmm. of involvement with that um, as far as, oh, you have to have this involved and this needs to be included. And you, we have to have product placement. And there needs to be a Prince album that goes along with it. And there needs to be this and there needs to be that. And all of these extra things because they were trying to turn it into a money-making machine. And to this day, Warner Brothers still claims that Batman did not make a profit because of that Hollywood – like finance stuff
0: Uh, yeah so like freaking hollywood math it's Mm.
1: it's always been a thing where the the perfect i guess the the perfect film quote unquote ends up being this marriage between what the executive producers want and the director's vision and like even with that burton wasn't happy with the results of that but that was one of those movies that brought a ton of people into comic books yeah
0: you're talking about john mm, peters
1: john peters thank you yeah Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah like his involvement, like you know, one t- probably turned that movie into the marketing thing that it was, and made it so that everyone knew that everybody saw that movie. Um, but at the same time, Burton wasn't happy with it, and it, it it's that balancing act. And like with Marvel, yeah, there was the vision that he had, that um, that Feige had, that was kind of in. I wouldn't, because like at the end of the day, you got to think like john favreau couldn't have been that mad about it because he stayed on he stayed on as happy he stayed on doing stuff like and like
0: he was getting a check
1: oh yeah of course but like the whole demon in a bottle thing would it have been like an interesting story yeah 100 percent. and like i know a lot of comic purists were upset because they kind of bastardized that into what became iron man 2 but i liked the story of iron man 2 i thought it was interesting i i went back and watched the movie again uh, the first one's still way better, but, like, I didn't hate the second one, and, like, I like that they're introducing all this stuff, and, like, it did kind of set a template that Warner Brothers trying to follow, but it is not working, because I, I honestly think that the problem with that is there's way too many people involved. There's too many cooks. There's too many cooks in, in mm-hmm. dealing with this, and, like, everybody wants their say. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is a perfect example. Like... I mean i was reading stuff that that was basically saying that like he was trying to run the dceu before they announced that james gunn was taking over um and in fact like a lot of the numbers and a lot of the information that he was given about how much money Black Adam was making was actually false. Mm. Basically, he was like trumping up the the stats Mm -hmm. and the whole Superman thing. The whole Superman thing, basically, the reason that got leaked was because he knew if he leaked that Superman was going to be coming in at the end of that movie, that people would go and see it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, hold that thought, though, Mike, because that musical cue means it's time for us to take a short break. Because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station. We're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners like you to be able to operate the station and bring you the quality programming you've come to expect from WERA. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at arlingtonmedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift before the end of the year, so you can claim it on your taxes. Anyway, look, we are actually, I know we're halfway done, but we're still just kind of scratching the surface with what we're doing. Mike and I'll be back right after these messages, and we'll get more into it. welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming at WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford. And when we took the break, we were starting to talk. Uh, well, geez, uh, Mike, you were making a point and I interrupted you because we needed to take the break, but you had been talking about uh, Iron Man 2 and uh, some other stuff.
1: Yeah, so it really, with all the stuff going on with DC right now and the DC universe and them having to reset for what seems like the 15th time now, I feel like they're trying too hard to try to replicate what Marvel did and to kind of go back to the broken record that we've probably said a million times. Like they really just need to focus on like good singular movies. And that's kind of what they're doing with James Gunn because looking back, what's the best two things that DC has done in the last like two to three years, the suicide squad mm-hmm. and uh, peacemaker. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you have his involvement, good things happen. So it makes sense for them to want to go back to this and let him be in charge of things. Um, what's really disappointing about this whole thing is that like there's so many people involved and there's so many people's opinions that everybody wants to care about and honestly i think part of this is like the media's fault but like that's part of their job is to you know they're trying to get clicks on their site or people to buy you know the magazines or the newspapers or, or whatever it ends up being however their media is uh, is is shared but like so much of this is, uh, well, James Gunn made this decision. What does The Rock think about that? Well, what about Zachary Levi? What does he think about that? What does Henry Cavill think? It's just like, dude, let the guy make some decisions. Let the guy make some moves. Because ultimately, the whole Henry Cavill thing, people were like, I'm so mad that he's not going to be involved. He literally came out and said, hey, the story that I want to do with Superman involves a younger Superman. And Cavill is a year younger than me. He's 39. Not saying he couldn't play younger. I'm sure he could. But like, Why force that when a younger actor would probably be a better fit? And frankly, like, if you look back at some of the best movies that we've seen when it comes to superheroes, a lot of them were involving actors that didn't really have a huge profile yet. So like Christopher Reeve, where'd Christopher Reeve come from? Like, he just looked the part. And not only that, I think pound for pound, he's still the best Superman we've seen on screen, period. Like, I still think of that scene when he's there in Lois's apartment As Clark Kent takes off his glasses, changes Mm -hmm. his posture Mm -hmm. into – you literally see him change from Clark Kent to Superman. And that whole like, oh, well, he's just wearing glasses. How come somebody can't tell because of things like that? That shows you. And like I think that that you need some fresh blood. I understand that like you want the marketability of having big-name actors because that's going to bring people in. But like I think that these characters, especially DC characters, like – I don't think that they need that. I think DC characters like Batman, Superman, like they're going to have, they're going to have, they're going to get butts and seats because they're Batman, because they're Superman. You don't need to do this. Like this, this try. not I would even say tried and true this like old song and dance that Hollywood does. Oh, you got to have big names. Do you though? Do you really? Cause like, I, I don't think you do with Superman. I don't think you do with Batman. I think you can get the right actor and it doesn't matter whether they have a, a huge uh, Following and that's like th- Honestly I think that that's The Rock's problem I think The Rock um, Thinks that like that's how this works And he's banking off of that he's banking off of the Fact that like oh well, I'm a big name And I'm a huge box office draw yeah But no no offense Dwayne you can't act Like you have, <laughs> you have Two facial expressions bro like watch Watch that movie watch Black Adam and tell me like What kind of range you see from him It's none like there's so much that was wrong with that movie that needed to be fixed and like people keep giving him a free pass because he's the rock and the movie just wasn't that good. It's forgettable. Like is there anybody out there other than like rock like fanboys that have seen that movie more than once?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, it certainly didn't end up being the game changer <laughs> that he had uh, told everybody that it was going to be. Nope. And and I I can't disagree with you uh, about that. Uh, it it's just simply that this guy for the most part the reason that he gets the deference that he does is because his movies generally make a lot of money and you know now this one cost a lot to make and because it was under the dc banner uh and because it was who they you know because it's because it was black adam and in fact somebody reminded me that the whole movie came out of one of those um, new 52, actually, I don't think it was new 50, it was, it was just 52. One of those 52 covers uh, for that weekly comic that was coming out a co- actually a number of years ago. And uh, Black Adam sitting on this throne on top of some skulls. And it was a great drawing. And apparently The Rock saw it and it's like, hey, I want to do this. And, you know, the whole project was really born out of this one drawing and it was a great drawing but uh, you know the the movie you're right i it, i thought it had a lot of issues with it and uh, but also i think that dc projects are not well excuse me I was going to say DC projects are not evaluated objectively, but that's not really true. I think what it is is Marvel projects aren't really <laughs> objectively evaluated. And uh, cuz frankly, there there are some of those and I've said this before, but there's some of those that haven't been that good uh, that get a pass because it's a Marvel film. Oh know? yeah,
1: for sure. And I think that like dc is creating this problem because like hmm. the marvel movies in compared like because everybody's like going into this and they're like oh how was uh thor love and thunder eh, it was all right but you know what it was better than it sure as heck was better than black adam you know what i mean like it's it's one of those things <laughs> I, where I don't know about that <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think those movies were probably comparable. I mean, you know, there yeah. might have been half a star that separated each of them. You know, I mean, yeah. no, I see what you're so, saying. So yeah, and, but 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 I understand the point that you're making. Yeah,
1: and like, cause like honestly, like the Phase Four movies, like I'm trying to think through all the Phase Four movies other than Wakanda Forever. Like, I don't, I'm I'm gonna have to look at what the Phase Four movies were because, like, it, it's I don't think that there was really anything that was like just like dynamite knock it out the well no no, I take that back Spider-Man um Spider-Man was really 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 good um but like overall like they're Marvel like painted themselves into a corner I feel like and now they like every single thing that they do has to tie to something else and it's no longer just about like telling a good story so Marvel's success is also now like their down not their downfall but like the thing that they now have to do because I'm looking at it, Black Widow. I liked Black Widow a lot. I thought that that one was really, really good. I
0: liked that movie too.
1: Um, Shang Chi was okay. It was all right. Eternals was kind of forgettable. I mean, it was all right. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home was really good. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I thought was was solid. It could have been better. Thor Love and Thunder was just. Eh, it was all right. It was disappointing compared to um, Ragnarok and Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Honestly, I think Wakanda Forever might have been the best one out of that out of that crew. May. Um, Spider-Man was, re- yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home, honestly. That, that was probably the best one. But then, like, you had your TV series, like uh, WandaVision, uh, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, um, She-Hulk. Like, there was a lot of stuff that was phase four. But, like, in that, like, what, which one really stood out as, like, the best one? And I think that that's the thing, is there was so many things that were just, like, they tied to the next thing. And they all relied on the on the thing previous. And, like, that's fine because that's what Marvel created. But, like, one of the things that was interesting is Werewolf by Night, for instance. Hmm, yeah. Standalone. Fantastic. One of the best things they've done. Same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Like, not one of the best things that they've done, but it was standalone. It relied a little bit on knowing the characters. But, like, it was enough of an individual story that you didn't need to know a whole bunch going into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like DC doesn't have that. Like, cause that's the other thing is like, wh- which one, what are their, what are their movies tie together? Like Aquaman, Man of Steel and Man of Steel doesn't really even tie into anything because Man of Steel was just kind of like, all right, well, we've got these characters
0: well man of steel ultimately tied into that batman versus superman i mean you know, because yeah. that and and very very seriously because you don't get batman versus superman without man of steel and you know to the point where in the beginning of that movie here's bruce wayne racing through the streets of metropolis and watching the battle unfold between superman and zod uh, you know, before it takes his building down, for example, and uh, the one guy loses his legs, but yeah, but I, I also understand the point that you're making, and and I think that whole connected universe thing was part of the problem. Now, here's another thing that I had been real upset about, and because I've always said that DC had been in a position after Superman the movie to start their own shared universe. And that was, I mean, I remember wanting that at the time. And what I said was, hey, look, Wonder Woman with Linda Carter was still on TV. And this is just in terms of, can you do these characters? But So that's still on TV. Batman with Adam West had only been off TV for about 10 years. And Green Lantern is nothing but animation effects. I mean, you could do this. However, somebody pointed out to me that there were various licensing issues at the time that would have prevented Marvel, sorry, would have prevented DC from being able to do that right after Superman, the movie came out. I mean, as I just said, here was wonder woman on TV. The rights to that character were tied up. Apparently the Batman rights were held by filmation who were doing a bunch of cartoons at the time, Saturday morning stuff. Um, you know, so they, they, there were encumbrances on some of their characters. Now, yeah. acknowledging that, I still think you can work out whatever licensing issues you have, or the Justice League has enough characters, maybe... Maybe you don't use Batman and Wonder Woman. You know, it's like, oh, it's Superman and Green Lantern and Hawkman, and you know, so because you got enough characters to where you can you can actually do it. I didn't want to argue with this guy, so I let it go, and I yeah. appreciated his insight. Um, you know, because he had been working for like dc or Warner, earth something like that you know but had some insider knowledge and again i appreciated the insight because i hadn't thought about the fact that some of these characters had actually been encumbered but i still feel like 1978 superman the movie um it, but for the fact that, and you just pointed it out, but you know all they knew how to do was sequels, you know, because that was Warner Brothers, they were old Hollywood, nobody's thinking about, oh, we're going to create this shared universe of movies that all fit together to tell one large narrative tale, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, Superman, it was, it made a lot of money, let's make Superman 2, hey, that made some money, let's make Superman 3, you know, oh, hey, you know, I mean, because, and it was, I... I they, they got into a rut is basically yeah. where I'm going with that.
1: Well, and and that's the thing is like you, you, we don't know for sure because hindsight is 2020. So if somebody – just just imagine if somebody had come to them and said, hey, here's what I'm thinking. We can get the rights to put Batman on the big screen and Wonder Woman on the big screen, and this is how much it would be. And then we would be able to have the first three – Members of the Justice League and we could create a Justice League franchise and we could make dozens of movies and have Individual movies for the characters and then have the shared movies and they probably would have gotten laughed out of the studio Like we don't know for sure because again like it's there, there was nothing to compare it to and like I don't think anybody would have thought of something yeah, yeah. like well, that
0: Well, and, and that like, was the problem, you know because yeah. Hollywood as you pointed out a little earlier is a very imitative kind of place oh you're listening to fantastic forum on wera 96.7 fm in arlington virginia and streaming online at wera.fm we are your community radio station i'm ulysses e campbell i'm joined by mike lunsford and we've been kind of down the rabbit hole talking about a bunch of genre related stuff uh into this whole dc movie thing attempt at a shared universe uh, like Marvel has done very successfully. Uh, Mike also pointed out that in the Marvel Phase 4 uh, wasn't necessarily a lot that was worthy of note, but this this actually Mike just reinforces the point that I was making about how the marketplace and the fans receive the Marvel properties. And certainly, and God knows we're going to have to do a show about this probably in the very near future, but there are a number of either casual fans or people who have kind of been on the fringes, you know, not in the trenches in terms of the fandom, but who are suffering from superhero fatigue behind all these <laughs> numerous, numerous properties, you know, A- and it's affecting the bottom line in yeah. that regard.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, that makes sense too, because you, you only your diehards are going to stick around forever. It's, and and we, we've mentioned this before, Hollywood, it loves to imitate. And like, if this thing works, which it did, let's keep doing it until it doesn't. And then and we'll come up with something else. And that's kind of the way that they they do things. And I mean, that's not blaming anybody. That's just kind of how it's been. And I, I mean, like, I, I hear these people saying, like, oh, superhero fatigue. I don't think that that's a thing because superheroes have existed forever. I mean, like, shoot, if you really want to get, like, into the – you want to go down a rabbit hole, man. Look at stories like Beowulf about, like, a superhuman – hero for like human beings have been creating superhero stories for centuries for eons you know like this is something that we've always do and i think that there's always going to be good stories to tell but i think that's the problem is once you start adding too many pieces to it what did scotty say in star trek 3 uh the more you overtake the plumbing the easier it is to stop up the (laughs) train like i think that's what it is man the more the more you add these extra layers and these extra connective pieces and you're like okay so not only does it have to be a shang chi story we also have to involve wong because he's the sorcerer supreme and banner has to show up and captain marvel has to show up and there's this thing because the rings do this thing like Everything has to be connected in order for them to quote-unquote survive But like again, that's a that's a problem that they created for themselves and like Shang-Chi was okay, but it was like I I haven't gone back and watched it again I, I wouldn't say it's forgettable but like for the most part like does anybody really care?
0: Well, I had my issues with that too But in terms of the superhero fatigue thing and I appreciate the point that you're making Uh, but the one thing that I would ask you to take into consideration is that as opposed to mythology and even more modern mythology, if you look at the top 10 grossing films of all time right now, the majority of them are these Marvel movies. And, uh, I, I think in fact, um, that there, there was an article that i was reading in variety only earlier today where it led with fasten your seat belts, hollywood is in for another bumpy ride in 2023 because the emphasis that's been placed on these superhero movies is why a lot of people in the audience are suffering from this fatigue thing that has been described and i mean so i understand that i mean if if we were just talking about oh this is a segment of the entertainment that's available Um, but again Hollywood being a very imitative kind of place there has been the recognition that this is a consumable that you can make a ton of money off of and so for that reason you're gonna have Hollywood trying to imitate Marvel's success and make these bazillion dollars off of these projects until you absolutely prove that you can't. And I think we've sort of weathered the storm uh, before in some ways because, as I mentioned earlier in the program, 1978, Superman the movie, that's where all of this began. And you saw... In the wake of Superman the movie and the various sequels, there were a bunch of superhero movies that came out then, and not a whole lot of them ended up being particularly successful. I mean, this is how you get... A uh, and everybody was making them. I mean, there was Shaquille O'Neal in Steel. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, there was, uh, you know, the Blank Man, Meteor Man. I mean, there was, all. I mean, shoot, you had a, 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 you know, what was it? Dark Man, I remember, you know, and some of these actually didn't suck. But uh, it, the point is... You make, movie, you make money off of these things, and all of a sudden, everybody wants to do it. And even now, I mean, to the point where you have the Valiant characters who have been licensed. And I don't know what that, uh, you know, because uh, what's this um, uh, crap? Uh, the Vin Diesel is yeah. another one of these stars. And I don't know that uh, the Valiant character that he did, Bloodshot, right as the pandemic hit, you know, I, I don't know that that movie wouldn't have been successful, or certainly it would have been more successful, you know, but for the influence of the pandemic. so um, i'm 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 not sure. but uh, look, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, and I, one of the things that I want to say because there were a bunch of rumors that have come out in the past few weeks. And one of them, I, I mean, we don't have time to get into really as many as I kind of wanted to at least go over, but uh, you had mentioned uh, sort of, well, you had uh, alluded to this separation between the comics and the movies. And apparently that's one thing that James Gunn is interested in. He, in that's a gap he wants to bridge for this new DC universe that uh, yeah. he and saffron are working on and apparently he has been in communication with jim lee over at uh, the publication side of dc and they would like to coordinate the comics and the movies to a greater degree so um you know that that could that could make a difference in terms of all of this i mean again i yeah. i don't see it being <laughs> the game changer or the magic bullet or whatever euphemism you want to use, but
1: I'm, I'm with you on that to a certain degree, but I also disagree and, and I'll tell you why um, that he, he's shown James Gunn has shown that he knows how to write that he knows how to direct and he knows how to produce and like that's what this universe needs more than anything else. And, like, uh, Zaslav, the guy who's the who's running the yes, show now, yeah. had mm. said that, like, we need to buckle down and focus on the big three. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman first. What's the first thing that James Gunn is doing? A Superman story. Like, if anybody can get it right, I think it's him. Because I don't think he's going to do a bunch of cliche stuff. I don't think he's going to do the let's make it dark like Snyder did. I, I think he's going to focus on making this character true to what the character is. So I have a lot of faith in him because he's proven that he's that he's worthy of this. He was able to take honestly, like the only people who knew what the, uh, knew the Guardians of the Galaxy before the movies came out were like really like comic book nerds for the most part. Like nobody else knew who they were.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> like that's and, and he turned those characters into superstars. Same thing with like, did you ever think in your life that you would watch? a movie featuring polka dot man where you actually felt genuine emotion about polka dot man
0: no i did not and and ditto with rat catcher was the main villain
1: (laughs) the only thing that really concerns me is like now he's working with the big names it's easy to it's easy oh it's easy that's not fair like it's easier to be able to do awesome things with characters nobody knows about but now he's got like characters that everybody knows. So I'm wondering if that's just going to create more scrutiny. But honestly, I-, I think that he will be fine. I have much more faith in him than I do Twain the Rock Johnson. Um, I have more faith in him than Zack Snyder, who... Snyder's a great director, but I just don't think he was the right person to helm an entire universe.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Look, I'm going to have to cut you off only because we're out of time! I don't know where the hour goes. I'd like to thank... My one panelist for today, Mike Lunsford with Great Geek Refuge, and you for tuning in. Of course, uh, check us out on the website at fantasticforum.tv. The show re-airs each and every Sunday here on WERA from 4 to 5, and we're in first run at Saturdays from 4 to 5. Also, uh, this is uh, sort of season-specific. If you or someone you know may be struggling with suicidal thoughts... You can call the U.S. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255 any time of the day or night or chat online. Crisis Text Line also provides free 24-7 confidential support via text message to people in crisis when they dial seven four one seven four one. So because it's, it's rough out here this time of year and it happens to be Christmas Eve, and uh, that that is a real thing. So, uh, look, appreciate you coming by, especially spending some of your Christmas Eve with us here. Have a wonderful Merry Christmas, and come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station.